Re'e, the second Aliyah, can, picks up right where we left off with this discussion of the temple, the tabernacle, offerings, etc. One interesting note is that we just discussed the concept of a bama, a personal, a personal altar where, where, where gift offerings could be brought, and that was allowed also between Shiloh and before they built the, taberna- the, the temple in Jerusalem, in Yerushalayim. As we mentioned, when, you, when the tabernacle was in Shiloh or when the temple was, once the temple was built in Yerushalayim, those things were not true. Now, as we dive into this, as we dive into this more, we discuss, we discover that there's a lot of unique, unique laws um, about offerings. One is, is that you're supposed to bring, when you bring an offering to Hashem, it should be from the best. Two is that you need to be careful that you give, that when you give, that the result of your giving is that everybody enjoys, that there's a blessing and that you share, that you share with those who need. Interestingly, we're told about the Levi to ensure that he gets offerings and parts of offerings as gifts from us when he, when we're in the land of Israel when we leave the land of Israel and we can't and we don't have offerings and we don't give him offerings then he has the then he has the rule of someone who's needy and we have to ensure that he's taken care of um, <clears throat> it's interesting that the, the the temple mount was meant to be holy and it was meant to be the, the domain of the Jewish people. And therefore, King David, when he bought it, Rashi points out, bought it with the money of the entirety of the Jewish people, even though, of course, it was in the area of the tribe of Binyamin. So it's, if you will, in a certain way, belonged to everybody. Once we have this, and then like we mentioned, then you can't bring offerings anywhere else, with one exception, and that is when the prophet, when the prophet comes to us and says, now is a unique situation where we need to do something different. And the famous story, again, jumping ahead, puzzle pieces to the books of the prophets. Elijah, Yohan Navi, has a unique, very unique story on Mount Carmel when he, when he brings an offering. Very, very unusual. And we'll have more puzzle pieces about being careful to ensure that that only happens with a prophet, a Navi, that you know and you could trust. Over here, we also have in this Aliyah the contrast, which is the discussion of eating meat and not from offerings. Of course, a person can just slaughter an animal. And in this, in this Aliyah, we are given the mitzvah of proper slaughter, what we call shechita, the Torah says, Kasher as I commanded you. And this is an important, famous Rashi. Rashi points out that the Torah actually doesn't tell us in a written area. And so therefore, this is one of the classic points where we see that there has to be an oral Torah because there is, the Torah says, as I commanded you at Sinai, but it never tells us where that is. And never, we don't have that in any written form. The Torah also says when your land expands and your wealth grows is the time that you would eat meat. And the Torah over here, as Rashi points out, is teaching us what's appropriate, if you will, wealth management and lifestyle choices that until a person is in that setting of wealth and comfortability, he doesn't ask for meat. He doesn't ask for fancy foods. You live simple if that's what you have. Over here we have in this prohibition of only eating meat that is slaughtered. So, of course, the Torah directs us multiple discussions about the prohibition of eating blood. Blood is prohibited. Now, blood, we might say naturally, who wants to eat it? Who would want to drink a a glass of blood? Gross. That's disgusting. And Rashi says exactly. And the Torah yet gives us 
um, a reward for listening to that. Um, and therefore we know that any mitzvah is reward, is, we get rewarded. Also says Rashi, but you also see the other thing is that the Torah strengthens us and tells us, be careful not to do this, be strong. And this is something I don't have any interest in. You see that if a person has a desire to do mitzvahs, you can't just say, oh, well, I do mitzvahs. No, a person needs to be strong. A person needs to strengthen himself and say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to set myself up for success to ensure that I do it. The very, very important mitzvahs need strength. Um, also important to note over here in this in this aliyah, we are given some of the mitzvahs, we're given both a positive commandment and a negative commandment, meaning that we're familiar with positive and negative commandments, and we encounter over here an interesting thing where the same mitzvah could have both a positive commandment to do X and a negative commandment to not do, to not do, to not mess up and do the wrong thing. And so by, by making one decision, a person can actually fulfill, um, to fulfill many mitzvahs. The, the aliyah over here ends <coughs> with, with a directive over here to ensure that, um, that we learn properly, that we have to have the proper information. And, um, and if we don't have the proper information, there's no way that we'll, that we'll fulfill the mitzvahs. And so we get a, a directive to ensure that we learn the, the laws, learn the Torah properly. It doesn't matter whether it's a big mitzvah or a small mitzvah. The last thing that the, the Aliyah tells us is make sure that the result of your actions is that you are doing good which Rashi says means in the eyes of Hashem and justice, which means in the eyes of man. We need to ensure that our actions are good and just, both in the eyes of Hashem and the result of the way people perceive them is also good, not just consistent. It needs to be, it needs to be with justice and kindness as we do it only specifically in the way that Hashem said.